by Aloe Recovery, located in sunny Southern California, in Malibu, Silver Lake, and somewhere in West Los Angeles. Aloe was created by our good friend Bob Forrest and his friends Evan, Jared, and Bob with the intention of creating a facility that treats addicts and alcoholics with connection and compassion rather than control. Their staff has decades and decades of experience treating co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI, and they want to make sure that your detox is as comfortable as possible, which is key. They have ridiculously great amenities, including sound bath meditation, surfing, equine therapy, and the potentially spiritually transformative sweat lodge. If you need a place to go, Aloe seems like a pretty good place to me. I've talked to a bunch of people who have been there, and they all swear by it. So if you're fucked and you're ready to get some help, I highly suggest going to Aloe. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our very good friends at Soberlink. At Soberlink, somebody cares about your recovery. Unfortunately, relapse is so common, especially when it comes to alcohol, because it is widely available and highly prevalent in many social settings. That's why having true accountability and a deterrent from drinking is so important for staying sober. Soberlink has been empowering and helping people with alcohol use disorder since 2011 and is trusted by hundreds of treatment facilities. The Soberlink system consists of a portable, handheld device that documents proof of sobriety in real time, keeping you connected to your family, friends, sponsor, treatment professional, recovery coach, or whoever else worries about your well-being. As an exclusive offer to our listeners, you email info at soberlink.com and mention Dopey for 50 bucks off your device. Or you go to soberlink.com slash Dopey. Let me make sure that's right. Yes, it's right. You go to soberlink.com slash Dopey, mention us, and save 50 bucks on your first device Let Soberlink help you to stay off of the sauce. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you from the good folks at Clean Cause. Before I even tell you how amazing their drink is, 
and it's made with yerba mate, and they have nine different yerba mate flavors, and that they have low and zero calorie options, and that they have 160 milligrams of naturally sourced caffeine, and the drink is delicious, you need to know that 50% of their profits support addiction recovery in communities across the country. So if you are struggling with addiction, know that Clean Cause cares. And Clean Cause is delicious. Check it out at cleancause.com. It's the stuff. Delicioso. Use code DOPEY for 15% off your next order from cleancause.com. Order Clean Cause and use the DOPEY code D-O-P-E-Y for 15% off your next order from cleancause.com. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by our great friends at Evolution Accounting and Consulting. They are a full-service accounting firm that can help you with taxes, bookkeeping, payroll, and almost any other business need you have. Thanks to technology, they work with people from all over the country and pride themselves on building exceptionally strong relationships with their clients. They say that their passion allows you to pursue yours because they understand the stress caused by worrying about taxes and accounting issues. When you allow them to take this off your plate, you'll be freed up to focus on what you love to do. And perhaps more important than anything else, the firm is run by a fucking crackhead. Yes, fortunately he's been in recovery for a few years now and knows the struggle as well as the success. I've heard great things about Evolution Accounting and Consulting from some members of the Dopey Nation, so please support them. Use promo code DOPEY when you connect them, when you connect with them at www.evolution-accounting.com to receive special discounts. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you, most importantly, by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the power of Patreon. It's www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. We do so much on Patreon, and Patreon really helps us make the show to be as good as it can be. If you give to Dopey Patreon, Dopey becomes better. We interview people in the Dopey Nation. We have cool video segments, weird shit, and I have some weird shit on deck coming up. So join Dopey Patreon. The Dopey Patreon Zoom is about to explode. The Zoom this month is going to be the most important Zoom we've done ever. So join Patreon. Also, we have crazy gear at dopeypodcast.com, tank tops, T-shirts, hoodies. We have some good stuff. So go to dopeypodcast.com, support the show, get some dopey gear, and take pictures of yourself with it because we need pictures of you guys in the dopey gear. So that would be great. I also have hats. We still have like five trucker hats. I have a shitload of Oyve hats. I have no more classic dopey snapbacks, but we're going to get some. I have a few blue and reds. I have new stickers. New fucking stickers. So if you want any of that stuff, just Venmo me. If you're waiting for stuff, it is getting shipped very soon. Probably tomorrow. Anyway, enough with the fucking ads. Here is the show. And welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. 
and I'm Dave, and it's a very exciting show today. We have Gilbert Trejo. If you thought you couldn't get enough Trejo last week, we have Danny Trejo's son, Gilbert Trejo, on this week. He was awesome, but before we get to him, I need to make a quick announcement, which is Dopey Day is coming. August 16th would have been Chris's 37th birthday, and I want to celebrate Dopey Day on his birthday. The idea is to end the stigma of addiction. We want everyone to put the Dopey logo over their eyes. We also want everyone who can to do some kind of public-facing Dopey Art. We're having a big meeting about it on Monday. The street team is getting together. If you're not in the street team but you want to be a part of it, please just go to uh, social media and you'll see all of us talking about it, and we would love to have you involved. That's some grassroots fucking organizing I'm doing. And that's it. That's my announcement. I have a bunch of stories to tell you, but I'm going to save them for a later date because Gilbert was so sweet and profound and, and fucking full of dopey. So here we go. Gilbert Trejo. Hello, Gilbert, and welcome to Dopey. Thank you. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. It's, it's funny because uh, I, uh, I, you know, my basically growing up like with my dad, I don't have a lot of the, and just growing up around the program, you know, I don't have a lot of the same sort of like, oh, we don't talk about that that like I've noticed other people have with their stories and their, you know, it's like, Oh, I don't outside of the rooms. I could never mention, you know, at the time I got the abscess right there, you know <laughs> what I mean? And it's like, and, but you know, for, for me and, and like, it's a pleasure meeting you dude. And, and I'm just really happy for anyone that can be like, this is my past. I'm not that, that part of me is done. And I, I've learned from it. You can too. Right. Absolutely. And like, I mean, I, I've been doing a little bit of research about you and, and for people in the dopey nation, you should know not only is Gilbert a terrible heroin addict and drug addict in recovery, and he's also Danny Trejo's son. He's also a filmmaker and, uh, he did a movie called from a son. And, yeah. uh, and, and what I found was really interesting about it because it kind of chronicles you know, being an addict and, and having a father who's trying to save your life. And in the end, you die. And when I heard you talk about it, you said that was to put my old self to rest, right? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. crazy. I mean, I think that's like, how much of a psychic imprint does something like that make on you? I don't, you know, uh, so, so there's this, um, like the character ODs on on camera and dies and the the experience I wrote it didn't like fully make it into the into the film in the way that I had written it because uh I had actually written an experience that I had with my best friend who did pass away trying to bring him back you know where we you know got what we got went north you know like he would always like fix on his couch and i you know his he put like the thing on his bathroom that just said gilbert's office because um that was like just where i was all day in his apartment just like in his fucking bathroom you know and so when i i was like this shit's like really good dude like like i saw what he was i saw what he like put 
put in the spoon and was like, yo, do half of that, bro. Cause this shit is like, you do half of that, save half for later, you know? So you and were there. I came out of the bathroom. Yeah. And then I came out of the bathroom and he was just like, I was like, you son of a bitch. He was like blue, you know? Oh, man. And um, th- this experience, actually, I had brought him back, but it was like the most violent, visceral, sort of like trying to bring someone back. You could imagine like I, uh, you know, his tongue started rolling. And so I put like a, I put a, my two fingers onto his tongue to hold it in place. And uh, his jaw clenched, bit down, got me like to the bone on one of my fingers. And I had to like rip the finger out of his mouth. And now there's blood shooting everywhere, like all over the walls, all over everything. And I'm trying to like get him back, get him back, get him back. And I, uh, you know, I, I, so I called the ambulance and it's like, I mean, dude, thank God for Narcan now. Like I have seven years and, you know, in like 2013, 2012, 11 10 like it wasn't as readily available as it is now and it's like you know i know so many people are like man they had to like yeah my friend narcan me and i came back and i'm like dude like i was like re- running for the ice chest like that you know the ice tray in the fridge to like get one into whatever hole i could to try to shock somebody awake you know what i mean is that what you <laughs> did with him uh on so i stopped doing that with him because he fell out a bunch of times and there was like a time we were sitting there and he like started like like he was like you know making something up and i i was like dude like are you just like using me for some weird kink like (laughs) (laughs) like there's we've like reached way too many times where you woke up like right when i put the ice cube in your ass it's like all he wanted. So, that's all he's ever yeah, wanted. Yeah, like is this like is this all some big ruse? Like if that's what you're into, like there's a someone to do it. Like don't <laughs> you don't have to like scar me terribly every time you want that. Like you know, but um which like I don't know. That's like you know the the dark hideous humor that you like just need to have to survive. But uh in that that time actually like so I was like bleeding everywhere and I fucking, you know, I called, called the ambulance and he just like, he woke up like right when he heard the siren. Right. Right. Like it triggered something inside his subconscious. And he was like, dude, what the fuck's going on? And I was like, <laughs> like bleeding profusely. There was blood covering my face, covering his face. Cause it had like pooled all in his mouth from my finger before I like literally ripped my finger out of his mouth and then you know the 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 the, the, um the paramedics like ran up to his apartment and we're both sitting there like covered in blood like panting you know and he's like oh it's okay no i'm fine i'm I'm (laughs) I'm good it's cool yeah he woke he woke up and he was like dude you called the ambulance and i was like you motherfucker like i was so mad it was the most i'd I'd thought he would be gone, you know, and then he ended up passing away um, just after I got sober. Like, it was like, I, uh, I, I went to rehab in July of um, 2014 and, and, and he passed away in, in, in November. So it was like, you know, like I was in there, I got out, we got to speak like two times and, and, and then, and then I got like, a phone call that he was gone and 
It's um, the worst. It's the worst because it's your it's your it's a close friend who you used to get high with, and then you're not there. Yeah, and well, and it's like this thing where, like, you know, you've you've um, survived so much, you know, like like it's like you know, right? Every time, you know, like every every. I don't know, those like hideously painful mornings where you're both crying and you're both, you know, like trying to find a, a hustle quick, trying to find someone. You're like, we got to walk over here. We got to go over here. We got to, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, those, those um, non-physical relationships when you're out there that are just like full of love because you at least need you need some human connection when you're feeling so inhuman, you know? Sure. It's the, it's the other part of why we call them war stories. Like, because yeah. we're at war, you know, against ourselves basically. And, and our <laughs> friends are in the trenches with us. I had a, a very close friend uh, who died, uh, re, you know, a couple years ago, right, right before my podcast partner died, my best friend who I was running around in LA and New York to get drugs all the time. It's a similar story. I, I think I had a year clean when, or two and a half years clean when he died. And, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause like yeah. you can't replace those adventure stories, which is one of the reasons no. we did dopey in the first place. My friend who died, his name was Todd. And when Chris and I started doing dopey, it was because me and Todd had laughed about so many dumb things we had done. And I'm sure it's similar to you and Daniel. You know, those relationships yeah. are so fucking intense because you you go from total misery to total joy just from hooking up. Yeah. You know? Yes. It, it Or like sometimes there's just those like, you know, sunny days where you're like, it's not so bad. I don't want to die today. <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. and, like, and like, especially like, I don't, it's, I mean, it's so funny because it's so different in on the East Coast and on the West Coast. You know what I mean? Because here we're like, you know, we're in our cars and we're going down to da da da, and we're like, you know, and you know, there'd be those days where we would like, you know, we pull into the like, the uh, the you know, the 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 nine dollar car wash at the gas station, and you know, fixing the car while the while the soap is like, you know, like going over all the windows, and then you pull out and you're like. It's like a bright sunny day and I'm fucking I feel okay. <laughs> like right. you know, like the car feels clean. Like let's just like go, I don't know, to the beach or something. Like, you know, like let's go to the like in the water and think, because you're only dudes wearing long sleeves chilling on the sand. But it's like um, you know, you have those memories that you hold on to that are the like the personal memories that just so happen to involve what you're doing they're not contingent on it they're like the the like glimpses of humanity i think totally it's also it's also just a great metaphorical allegory of you go into the car wash to clean the car sick you take a shot while the car's getting clean <laughs> and you come out reinvented like superman jumping <laughs> into the phone you know it's yeah, like yeah. that it's i i, I yeah I, and that's another like of that's like you know forget everything else I think just the phenomena of getting sick and getting well is the craziest thing in the world. You know, yeah. it's like, it's nuts. And I think the way you described it, I can imagine it. And it's very, did you put that in the movie from Asana, a, a car wash? No, that's a good no. scene. It's, it's like, that was my like, well, you know, actually what, what's funny is the, 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 the first script I ever wrote 
had all of those stories in it. And, and I wrote it early, early on, you know, and, and, and that's a group that, that, that was a fun, it's a fun read, but I couldn't like after everything and after where it got, I couldn't, I couldn't even fathom like making a movie or making an anything where, where, where you even show the good days right you know because it's like because i know that you know a 13 14 15 year old me would be like wow that looks cool right you know and and like where it got for me i was like you, you know if i if i can if if i can convince a single 14 year old that it's not cool <laughs> my life will be like will have meaning do you know what I mean? Like some future me, if I could be like, this shit isn't cool. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, you know, with any kind of art or any kind of expression, like that's the road that I have to take because, you know, like this film, this film takes place. It's over a, a it's, I mean, the, you know, the bulk of the film, basically the main timeline of this film is a 24 hour period. And it starts with the death from an overdose. It's the 24-hour period that, you know, it's the cop that that kills you. And and there's just like so many <clears throat> you never know which one it's going to be. Do you know what I mean? It's like totally. you know the the old lady sitting at the slot machine with the whole cup of quarters like might fucking hit the jackpot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you never know which quarter you're going to put into that machine and it's just going to be like, ding, 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 you know? Yes. And the, is... the fucked up thing is that, I mean, it's something that Chris and I talked about a million times before he died is like, neither of us thought that it could happen. You know what I mean? Like if yeah. I sit in front of the fucking slot machine, I'm never going to hit the jackpot. You know no what way. I mean? Like, it's like, it's not going to happen. And then, you know, and that's the other thing with our show. We, we like, we, we called it laughing the survivors laugh because yeah. we had survived and we couldn't have died because here we were in recovery making the show. And then yeah. when my buddy Todd died, I think Chris was already using and he was trying to laugh at a bunch of shit. And I was broken because Todd had died. And I was like, I yeah. can't laugh at it in the same way. I can't. Yeah. Um, and then Chris dies and the show becomes a different kind of show. Um, yeah. But I still like the survivor's laugh is important. You know what I mean? I heard, oh, I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. Now, as a you filmmaker know. and as a film buff, like, is the, can you think of a drug movie, a film that came out about drugs that tells the dark side without glorifying? Because I can't. No, you know, I think, I think Panic in Needle Park does a great job. I'm ashamed uh, that I never saw it. I walked past Tompkins Square Park every day. I never saw Panic in Needle Park. Oh, dude, I you check it out because it's it's like for real. It's the sound of the street, and it's the you know like Pacino just is so good. <laughs> like the dude is just he was just like he had a decade on fucking fire, you know. And and in that one, there's like there's a lot of there's, 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 there's very little, I mean, you know, it's like, there's that fucked up thing where like, you know, for me, uh, I, I, I thought the shit was cool 
and and I thought the shit was cool for way too early. You know what I mean? And and like I could watch a movie like that and be like, damn, that looks fucking cool, you know? When in reality, it's just like that movie captures a whole tremendous amount of pain. Okay. Because you know, it's like you, you know, you you, it's you're a couple. It's the two. It's about a couple, right? And Us against like, the world and the romance, the yeah. junkie romance. Yeah, exactly. Which like very quickly turns into the like, you know, I, I, you know, it's like, I mean, like, there's no such thing as like a re real junkie romance because you can't, you know, you can't, uh, can't have love. Like, <laughs> the love is fucked up. The love is impaired. Yeah. Well, and also like, you know, you can't, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but like, I just, you know, like, you know, you have like very specific bodily functions that you're like not thinking about on a consistent level and it's like you know sex is the first thing to be like bro i'm like i haven't showered in a fucking full month and and i haven't shit in just as long and i'm not thinking about having sex right now <laughs> you know so so it's like you become the running partner you go from the from the you know the boyfriend or the girlfriend or the you know the significant other to just the running partner and how are we going to stay well and and the romance mm -hmm. the romance is just with the drug at that point and maybe, yeah, exactly. maybe we can count on each other kind of like you and Daniel or me and Todd or whatever. Um, yeah. but this is interesting in itself because you come from you, your father is a famous actor. You grew up yeah. in a, in a, I mean, your dad wasn't particularly famous when you were a baby or a kid. Um, but you started in a different way in a different way though, because okay. like, uh, you know, um, all of my like experiences with him were like, he used to work out at the weight pit and like muscle beach, right. you know, and, and actually like as weird as like, you know, the like eighties in like, in like bodybuilding was like a super weird phenomenon, <laughs> I guess. Like, like they were like those, like, I remember my dad would go and take my sister and I, and he would like the, you know, the, the weight pit muscle beach has, has this like really old, I mean, it's probably been changed. Like everything has now, but it was this really old school, like thick chain link fence that was like, you know, rubber lined. And, um, and he would like go and he would like wrap our little baby fingers around the chain from the outside. Cause kids weren't allowed in there, you know? So he'd be like, I'm going to be watching you guys. I don't want you guys to let your hands off, go off of this fence, you know? And we'd be standing there like clawed hands on the, <laughs> on the ch chain link, Yes, you know, from the outside. And he'd be like, you know, like we'd have to like cheer him on when he was like, you know, like, like lift, you know, like pumping like, iron. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Be like, you know, like I want you guys watch me, you know what I mean? And we would like watch him like, you know, um, bench and shit and be like yeah that's my dad you know and we would weirdly be like two people amongst a crowd of like hundreds you know and um and there would be just hundreds of people packed around the way pit to watch these like buff guys and uh i assume it's not like that anymore I don't go down there. And, I'm sure you know. it is. I'm sure it's still a spectacle of, of great muscles and weights and 
clawed yeah, fingers. Like he, he was on he was on a on a on a postcard for Venice Beach. Right. Like well before he was an actor. Right. He was like a buff guy on a postcard, you know? And then you have this other side. So we were when we would we lived one block east of Pacific and one block south of Windward in Venice, which like Pacific and Windward is like the spot, you know? And and so we would just walk down to the beach. He would lift weights. We would stand there gripping that fence with our little baby fingers. And then when we would walk down the boardwalk, people would be like, hey, yeah, you know, and he'd be like in his dolphin shorts with no shirt on, like all fucking covered in baby oil. He'd be like, hey, what's up? And then that was one aspect of it. And then, you know, his world, which is the world that we were thrust into was equally that and AA. Right. And, and so even, I mean, he had 20 years when I was born. See, that's really and, what I was getting at. I, I fucked up my question. Cause what I was getting at <laughs> is when you're a kid and AA is the religion of the house, like, how does it even happen? Like by the time you watch panic and needle park, were you shooting dope? No way, but I did get in trouble in third grade for coming up with a game where we filled water balloons up with crushed up Smarties and we'd pass them to each other in class and see who could end up with the most water balloons filled with crushed up Smarties by the time the day was over. Right, the precursor. But you were smoking pot at a super young age, right? Super young age, yeah. Drinking, drinking, and, you know, it was kind of like, running around you know what i mean like we were running around and 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 you know skating and just like kind of had had free reign of the neighborhood i lived on this street where there was like you know a few older kids i was the youngest that was allowed to hang and and so it kind of just like that world started there you know like i did acid the first time right before my 11th birthday wow. I did, that's you crazy. know like that's crazy. mushrooms you know so now you have if you have seven years now and you reflect back on on coming up as an addict or whatever and you know we we hear about the genetic possibility you know the biological genetic possibility and then the fact that your dad was so active around you know 12-step rooms and sobriety and recovery and detox and rehab how much do you think is biological and how much do you think was just experiential with you hearing about this shit or how much of it was geographical geographical and it's just venice and fucked up shit <laughs> i mean i think it's like uh you know like a big a big melting pot of all of those sure. things because like um <clears throat> you know i i 100 percent believe that there is like a biological uh you know there's there's something <laughs> there's something that you're just you're just like predisposed to certain behaviors because i know i know people who 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 you know have none of the of the environmental but it's like you know well their grandfather was heavy 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 and then it's like oh must have skipped a generation because their parents raised them as perfectly middle class you know um but then you know, for, for, for me, it's kind of like, you know, my sister and I were both brought up in, in the, in meetings, we both, you know, and the thing about that, the environmental thing for me is like, most of my 
most of the people that I looked up to as a kid, like the most were all like my parents' sober friends, you know? Totally. Did it, did they it... all shared this one thing in common and it was like, you know, um, and it, and it, it was, a uh, you know, a, a, a lived life, <laughs> you know, if that, if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. The real thing that, that I, you know, I think is a little confusing in my mind is it's like, you were a terrible drug addict, you know, and I say that with only respect, um, <laughs> but you were a terrible drug addict. And like, do you think like. I'm sure by the time you were full on hooked and had a habit and were doing crazy shit to just maintain, like you were probably hearing those same stories from the sober people disconnected from your own using. Right. Yeah. Well, I had like, I had seriously um, kind of like checked out on the, on the sober side of things by the time shit got bad. Like, you know, when I was a little kid, we'd be like in meetings and we'd be like running around and, you know, they had like the, the, like the playground outside of like the Saturday night live NA meeting in Venice, or, you know, it'd be like Jocelyn park, like these like West side sort of, they all had like a childcare, you know, and I was, I mean, some of the meetings, the reason they had a childcare is because my dad started showing up with his kids. Right. <laughs> like, there's meetings still around that are like, you know, and for the childcare. And it's like, they started that because my dad was like, oh, I got my two kids. Somebody got to watch them. <laughs> I speak, you know, and like, um, but, but by the time shit got, you know, fucking wild, I mean, there would be times where my dad would be like, Hey, I want you to meet me at this meeting, you know, and I'd like, take a giant fucking blast of crap right before I walked in and then sit down and be like drenched in sweat, trying to pretend like I wasn't smoking crack actively, you know? Um, but, but by then it was just all fucking all the stories, all the, everything, everything was tuned out. And I was like, so deep, you know, uh, uh, I had, you know, we were like so removed from society, really the, 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 the sort of scene that I ran in, it was like, uh, you know, we were like a gypsy camp, if that makes sense. Like there was no, no concept of, of what the, what was going on outside of our sort of unit, you know, none of us had lives. Right. Well, your life was that. How, yeah. how, how old were you the first time you, you did uh Coke or heroin? God, Coke must've been like, eighth grade right That's and then crazy. yeah heroin wasn't until until after high school i was like 19. and how old when did your father find out that you were that you might have a problem like how old like when did that happen um i don't know it's like a weird slippery kind of you know uh my mom found out this is gonna sound insane but so my mom has a a, a substantial amount of time too. Uh, her and my dad met in the rooms, and um, and my aunt had passed away. She OD'd a little bit before I started using, and uh, I, you know, a friend of mine who's sober now as well. She had come over. You know, I had this apartment in in Koreatown on St Andrews, and she was like, "Dude, I got like, like I've been on dope." And um, we were like, well, bring some over. What the fuck? You know? And so, so we, we smoked it the first time. And then for like, she had this like older dude that was kind of like, you know, 
telling her a gram cost twice as much so that he could get his shit too. And then sure. he kind of, ooh, new, new people to do that with, you know? And then I very quickly was like, uh, no, I need to know the dude's number and where to get the rigs, <laughs> you know? So like, I, I, after like two or three days, I was like, yo, the smoking shit doesn't cut it for me. Like I, I, I know there's a, there's a, um, a better way, a more, a more economically yeah, yeah, yeah. sound way. Were you shooting Coke at that point when you started? No, shooting? no, you hadn't shot anything. You were just like smoking no, yeah, heroin. No, isn't going to work. Yeah. I was like, this is stupid. Like this just gives me a tummy ache. Like, I remember I was I was visiting my friend in Venice before I ever shot dope and I was sick and I met these guys at a at a I met some homeless guys and they were like the junkies meet at Del Taco every morning at 7:30 go meet there and and I that's when I tried smoking heroin and I was like I'd much rather just shove the the tar up my nose like I hadn't shot yet but smoking I don't even know why smoking heroin is a thing you miss so much smoke Yeah it's pretty it's pretty um I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't um, matter. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, di I digress. But, but so anyways, yeah, I was like, I was like, uh, this dude, this older dude was like, I was like, man, this, sh and I knew what I was doing. You know, I was like, man, this is, this shit is, this shit is nasty. I'm, I don't want to do it anymore. And he was like, well, you know, actually, um, when you use a needle, you cook out all of the, like, Impurities. all of that. Yeah. 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 So, so like, it's actually a healthier way to do it. And I was like, okay, that's where I was, that's where I was leading you. Um, let's go get them, you know? And so, but my mom, uh, this is what got me onto that whole, you know, thing is, so this, and this sounds fucking totally made up, but after the first time I shot dope, my mom called me and, uh, she called me the next morning and was like, Hey, uh, I had a really terrible dream last night. Oh my God. I was like, what? She was like, yeah, your, um, your aunt Vicky, who had passed away, she OD'd. Uh, she was like in and out my whole, my whole life. And she was like, yeah, your aunt Vicky like came to me in this dream and, um, and said that you were on heroin. And I was like, no, no. Yeah, she's lying. Aunt Vicky's lying to you in the dream. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. true. I was like, uh, that's a crazy dream weird and like it had literally been like six days i hadn't told anybody i hadn't you know what i mean i'm like that's crazy i was like no so essentially from that point forward my mom was like looking for pins looking for needles looking for you know what i mean like she was like and i have really dark brown eyes so you can't really tell like when they're pinned you know but she was actively like campaigning for everyone to realize what was going on from essentially day one. And, um, you know, and so like, it was my, it became my, you know, sort of, uh, job to gaslight my mom for the next eight fucking years, <laughs> you know, like, like I had to like convince everyone that she was crazy, totally insane. Yeah. No, this is insane. This is insane, you know? And I immediately started like slicking my hair back and fucking wearing button up shirts and dressing really, really nice so that you couldn't say anything and that, you know, that lasted for a little while until like, until I just started to look like fucking total shit. But by that point I had kind of like created this sort of, uh, 
hurricane of, you know, um, uh, you know, questioning and everyone was like questioning who was crazy and who was not and who was, you know, I really, uh, I mean, that's the thing is like, we just lie. We lie all day, every day. The first thing we do is we lie to ourselves and we wake up and we're like, this isn't fucking crazy. The lie is and that then, we can do it. The lie is that we yeah. can make it, that we can survive, that this isn't the end of us. Like that's yeah. the biggest lie now. But if you're doing Coke at in eighth grade and smoking weed, you know, at nine or 10 or whatever, like it, did it take until you were shooting dope for them to be questioning your behavior? Oh or? no. I was like, I was sent to meetings at, I was like, like, you know, I have some friends now, like great friends who I met cause they were the other 14 year right. olds whose parents were like, you need to go to AA, you know? And it's like, we're like 14 and it's chilling. Like, yeah, this is wild. You know, yeah, I got caught doing this and yeah, I got da 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 da. You know, 14 year olds hanging out with like, you know, our whoever we like, whoever the coolest fucking dude we thought to ask to be our sponsor. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, um, you know, just and then just, yeah, I got friends, friends today. Did Look, every one of them is in program. Every one of them's parents were right, by the way. Right. Of course. Of course. Did it, did it catch on at all when you were a kid? Did, did recovery take hold for a second before it like, like it got really bad? Like, did you ever get time when you were a teenager or work steps or was it all just like, fuck, I have to do this. It was more, it was, it was a continuation of school. You know, it was more just like, yeah, I'll do, you know, I mean, like, you know, my, my fourth step at 15 was not very eventful, you know? Right. I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, this is everything, you know? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, so, um, so yeah, I, uh, I, like many others, fell victim to the, 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 you know, it's like needing a better story or needing a better, and it's not that, it's not like I was like, I'm going to go out and come back with some fucking crazy shit. It's just like, I was like, that's not, you know, you don't, you, you can't see the forest for the trees. You know what I mean? Like I was fucking, I was in it just as much then. Cause I was just as crazy, but you know, it's lower stakes or something. Totally. Well, it's the addiction escalating. I mean, I was a pothead yeah. for years before I ever did heroin and I, and I smoked weed every day and I got as high as I could get, you know what I mean? And I would take psychedelics yeah. or whatever. And, um, and it wasn't like, you know, I, I think it'd be hard to tell a pothead who didn't do dope that somehow it's similar because it's not yeah. it's not similar, except that I had a custom I had I'd conditioned myself into being like, I'm smoking pot every day. So by the time I was doing heroin, I, it was like you could imagine doing it every day because you had smoked weed every day for X amount of years or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just part of the, the potential escalation. Um, you know what I mean? Like if you had told me before I smoked weed that I would live as a stoner for this many years and then I would live as a heroin addict or a benzo addict or whatever for this many years, I wouldn't have believed it. But that's how addiction escalates, right? I mean, it, it, I, I never liked the idea of uh, what's the, the gateway shit. You know, I never liked the idea yeah. of it, but it's pretty relevant, right? Yeah, I, 
yeah, I I don't know. I feel like you know the thing about it is is if you've got the bug, you've got the bug with whatever the whatever it is that you end up. You know, I know I know people who are just as bad with fucking online shopping. I I mean, dude, and you know, like the worst is gambling. Like I've seen people go fucking real bad gambling, you know, and 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 I, it's like the most I could lose in a day was, you know, I mean, realistically, like what I could get my hands on like a hundred, hundred and sixty bucks, get a few grams, you know what I mean? Like gambling addicts going to, but it's like it's like what's the gateway to gamble gambling addiction? It's not weed, you know, like. So you can't, I feel like those terms are, are tough. What is it's the gateway just, to gambling addiction? Like want to bet, you know, like, or yeah. like the thrill, <laughs> the thrill of, of being proven right. Or I don't know. That's yeah. an interesting question. You um, know, Cause there's, there's no steady, you know, eating over, overeaters and on. I mean, like you have so many, you know, S like slaw, like that, like those are all the same. It's all the same brain. It's just like, it fires off in this other direction. Like I used to, I used to steal Benadryl from when where? I was in elementary school from, from my parents medicine cabinet, because I would like take it in the middle of the night and like, just knock the fuck out. What were and you thinking? I'm, what were you thinking when you were like, I'm, cause you liked how it felt when you would, go into that deep sleep like what would do you like how it felt before you passed out what was like the lore? waking up i would be like whoa i was like i wasn't up. even there yeah and right. then and then the and then i would hide it because i'd be like you know dude my dad's gonna notice that there's like three benadryl missing <laughs> you know like no nobody notices that there were three benadryl missing um so then I, the whole thing of Benadryl would be missing because I would hide it under my bed. And it's like, okay, well, now everyone's like, you know, he's like, hey, honey, uh, you see the Benadryl? And I'm like, oh, my God. They're going to find out. Don't look under my bed. Like, they're, like anyone would think to look under my fucking bed for the Benadryl. You know what I mean? Like, huh. No, I haven't. Did you? Uh, uh, okay, well, whatever. Like, we'll go to CVS. You know, and so, but there's also that addiction to the like, <gasps> like, you know, and then now you've got that secret. And that to me is the most, secrets are more addictive than, you know, anything. Right. Which I think is one of the reasons why in the program, you know, we're like, so we're like so pressed to get rid of our secrets because the secret is so thrilling to have. Yeah. That's the, I mean, I've any, I feel like right. almost any addiction revolves around the secret, right? The secret any, means I'm somebody cause I have a secret. Isms, yeah. All the isms are like this, you know, like half of them said, how many people are like, man, after I did that fucking fourth man. And I was just like, Ooh, I just let it all go. Like, you know, it's like the reason everyone quits at three or whatever. Cause they don't want to bear that out. Now let me, let me, let me get, let me get really psychological for a second. And I never do this. I never even think psychologically. How much do you think, because your dad is this big time recovery guy, movie star, tough guy, and he's giving so much attention to all these addicts who need help. How much of it do you think 
now I'm going to get more attention from my dad because I'm like him. Oh, uh-huh. no, no. Oh, well. I don't. Oh, well. I, I don't. What? I said, oh, well, my psychological thing is not going the right way. No, no. I just mean like I, I, I feel like, you know, he, the thing about my dad was he was always like he and I were together like, you know, always. Like that was like I was his, I have this like, I think serious blessing of having like you hold up like little kid pictures of the two of us and it's like this identical thing. Do you know what I mean? Right. So like, I think I was this like second chance that he got to not like totally fuck up uh, himself. (laughs) If that makes sense, you know, like his, you know, his, and, and of course, you know, there are, there are parallels in, you know, choices that we made, but you know, the, the major, major difference between my dad and I is the environment that we grew up in. Right. That's it. It's almost like you take literally like a genetically and, you know, physically this, I mean, he was even as fucking skinny as I am when he was my age. As weird as that seems, like I'll find pictures of him and he's like, you know, we're standing exactly the same way. We have these like broad shoulders and these skinny, skinny little like waists, you know? And I'm like, holy shit. Like when you trace his story and you get to like him using in the first place, it always goes back to uh, his uncle Gilbert, which is your namesake. Like that was yeah. like the fucking origin story of your dad. Who was the influence in, in your life like that? Um, I had an older, I, well, so I had like this older cousin, Mike, who, you know, he, he was like 14 when I was like 10 and we would hang and it would like, you know, he would be like who I smoked weed with. He had given me like beer, like way even before then. And, and, you know, and like, so I had like a few older cousins that were like, oh yeah like he can hang like gilbert can hang you know right and then and then after that it became this environment and then there was this weird turn of events where it was like you know all my friends at my age it's like i was smoking weed and they were all like whoa dude that's fucking gnarly like you need to chill out you know and i would be like with the older kids like smoking and be like man you guys are tripping like this shit is tight and then like you know all of them started smoking when we were like 16, 17, or I was like, you know, would be like all my friends. And, and I was like the only one who did Coke. And they're like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on. Gilbert's like, is on like drugs, you know? <laughs> like, so it's like this thing where somehow I was able to, you know, like maneuver in and out of situations where I then ended up being that guy. Right. You know, like I never had, like, I didn't have this, like a single sort of influence. That's where it's like the growing up in Venice and the everyone kind of everything. And, and I was always able to talk to people that were much older than me. Well, Venice is, is hardcore. You know what I mean? Like, Venice. yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know what it's like now, you know? Like, I have no idea now either. I just know, yeah, like, I just I know, know American History X and when I was there. I, I, <laughs> I, I, like, walked down the street in Venice and, like, three people wanted to either sell me drugs or fight me. Like, the first yeah. day I was there, you know? Oh, and that's what another year, thing. Was that was, like, fucking, I want to say, in the mid-90s, you know? Yeah, that's totally. That's, 
that's when we were like kids running around the beach unsupervised, you know? That's another thing in the book where, where your dad is like, in your dad's book where he's talking about fighting, you know, like how, how, how important fighting was to his identity and kind of the way he got through prison was because he was this crazy boxer. And he said that you could fight. Like, was there pressure on fighting? Like, was that a thing? Like, to be tough? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's actually, like, that's so much of, it's so funny, because, like, you know, it's like, I don't know, I don't know if this is just my experience, but, you know, it's like, when you're, like, out on the street, like, you know what I mean? It's like, you just get weirder. (laughs) What do you (laughs) mean? You know, we're like, it's like, it's like, uh, I was having this conversation with my friend the other day, right? And he, he's like an online gamer, you know? Like, not, not consistently, but he's like done the stuff, you know? And he's, he was telling me about Warcraft, right? Mm-hmm. And, and he was saying like, you know, you have these online games where it's like this free world, you know? And so it's like, there are people, you're playing online and there are other people playing online in other places and you're like crossing paths, you know? And he's like, it'll be crazy because sometimes you'll be playing and you're like, you'll have like your character like pretty fucking decked out, you know, because you've been playing for so many hours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And he's like, and then someone will like walk past you in the like town center of World of Warcraft. And you're like, whoa, like that dude's got armor that like, this dude's been playing for fucking 10,000 hours. You know what I mean? Like, holy shit. Like he's got like, fire shooting out of the back of his fucking head and he's like you know it's like and and i was like relating that to the drug world and the drug experience you know and you're like you know like sometimes me and like you know there'd be times where fucking you know russian danny from it's all bad and i would be like walking down la cienega with like tights on you know or like there'd be the days that we decided to wear wigs but like he would wear like a blonde afro wig or something and i'd wear a wig that weirdly looked a lot like my own hair but i just wanted (laughs) to be wearing a wig like i just like needed something different you know and it's like i'm in a trench coat and or something i cannot tell you how many times i showed up and i'd be like in a coat and they'd be like yo where's your pants i'd be like i lost them wow you know or like let me borrow some shoes and I'm like, okay, so like, that's me at, that's like, it's like how, how, how like, that's me at X amount of hours, you know? And like, you, then you like walk past the dude who's got like the pink bob wig on and the one high heel and the fishnet on the other side. And like, you know, you know what I mean? Like in a spaghetti strap that's like ripped down the center. And you're like, yo, that dude's logged in some hours right he's ready he's 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 out there he's out there yeah like that dude's like level 1000 you know and you're like and it's like i'm just you know so for me i guess this is going back to the tough thing i'm like okay so like that world and the in like the insular sort of nature of that world it like allows you to get um uh weirder could you fight though? Was like, was he exaggerated? Yeah. You could fight. Oh See, yeah, no, we would, we would fight. You know, I mean, I was always pretty fucking. I mean, I'm like, pretty small. You know, like not like, you know, I mean, like not like a big ass dude. I think fighting is this thing where it's like, you know, any 
any 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 year old can fight. I couldn't, I, I never, I, I like, I'm a big nerd. My dad's a big nerd. It's like the opposite. Like, and I, I like, you know, I, it's I, the same, it's the same thing as like logging in hours though. It's like, you know, you know, when, you know what, like unlocks the ability to fight doing it, like no, doing it. Yeah. Like not being, you're like, I'm going to get hit. So you got to do you're something. Like, right. Right. Your, your fearness and your awareness, like your fear starts to like alleviate into awareness because you're like, yes, I will be hit. And, I and can... then you're like, not, you know, as, as afraid of it. And you become more aware of punches being thrown at you. You know what I mean? And you know how to throw a punch back if you have to. Did you get in a lot of fights or no? Did people want to fuck it. with you because your dad is this tough guy? No. Well, that, you know, a lot of that came from later in my teenage years um i started uh like playing in like punk bands and like running around and uh you know like i was from venice suicidals so okay. that was like we were like out at shows we were fighting i was i was like the singer in this one band that kind of had a whole scene around it and so we would it was just fighting every night you know like that's just what it was we were all fighting every night we were going to shows to fight we we're going down to orange county to fight skinheads we were going down to you know what i mean like like going down to long beach to like click up with those suicidal dudes and just run around we were going down you know so it was kind of like it was that but then you know fighting all stops when you're like i have a soft shotgun in the trunk of my car right no one's fighting that <laughs> it's done. yeah yeah you're like fight me <laughs> you know like that shit that shit is terrifying <laughs> you know what i mean but then you know here's the thing though is like that is where i feel like uh there's that fear of um of you know inherited inherited fear where like i believe truly that like i acted so much more like macho or whatever because i was afraid of being like my dad's son you know it really it didn't manifest in these like drugs or this like kind of thing like that but there was this this idea that like i had to be there's a lot of people that i've had to apologize since then and been like yo dude i was like scared to be myself so i acted tough and and i'm sorry <laughs> you know like I'm sorry for ever wanting to be tough. And I'm sorry for, for, for believing that I could take that out on, you know, like there's, I mean, there are like, you know, most of my pre using amends are like, I are like just these like deep sort of like, I did not know myself at all. And, and, you know, that was weirdly this thing that came with, with the years of using, I feel like this like comfort in my own skin. Like I don't have to be, I don't have to be afraid to be like, this is what I like to do. This is who I, who I am. You know, if I'm already like, I feel like I've lived and died so many times that I, I don't have to, I don't have to put on some facade. I can be like, you know, I can, I go back to like, you know, Venice now. And like, I get the same joke every single time, which is like, Oh, Hey man, I saw your sister. And I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, she wants her fucking tight pants back. What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? like 
like, sorry, I got into tight pants when I was fucking like, you know, smoking speed, walking down La Cienega in a pair of spandex, you know, like <laughs> that was like, the style at the time. You know? Yeah. I'm like, you know, well, when you're in that sort of that, that weird, you know, if, if everyone's, if everyone's shooting dope, smoking meth and smoking crack, like you can, anyone can be as weird as they want to be. There's no, there's, there's no, no limit. There's no limit no. to it. Yeah. But dude, and, you have the sweetest sound to you. Like, like talking to you, you sound so sweet. Like, I, and I knew I could just tell from reaching out to you in the first, like I read about you and then I followed you and I saw that you and, and Danny knew each other. And then as soon as you texted me back, I could tell that you were sweet. You know what I'm saying? Like you, <laughs> even the, your, the, the letters that you wrote and the, the, the punctuation you used, I could tell you were going to be sweet. And then I heard you on <laughs> it's all bad and you sounded super sweet. I heard you on Marin and I, it's like, it's hard for me to imagine you being tough, like being a dick like that. Yeah. I, I, I'll dude, I'll send you pictures of me at 17 and you're like, I've seen pictures. <laughs> I've seen like, pictures really? on Instagram. I think I've seen old yeah. school pictures of you. Yeah. And it's like, really dude, like you thought that that's what you were going to be like forever. And I'm like, yeah, man, I just, uh, definitely, um, bought into the whole toxic sort of, you know, I mean, I, it's like, it's, it's part of where I grew up. It's like in Venice, if you were, <clears throat> if you were white, you got to be a hippie. If you were Mexican, you did not. Right. Right. Do, do you know what I mean? Like that was just it. And like, that's where, that's where I feel like there was that pressure from being like, you know, it's my, I get the, my dad's the toughest fucking you know what I mean? <laughs> like, totally, totally. Do you think it's the punk rock ethos that saved you from all that, that you could just be a weirdo? I mean, I don't know, because even, because when we were doing that, it was like the, you know, the first show I ever went to was like suicidal at the glass house of seven years old. And I was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, so we kind of, we kind of morphed that into this like almost full on just like, we we took that even a, a step further in the towards the like you know like like cholo like even less suicidal than that and just more just like starched white shirts and brand new dickies knee high socks and like what's up yeah we're here we're at the show we know all these same fucking songs too we play better than you guys do let's fight nice and so like <laughs> <laughs> that was our our like ethos at the time and we kind of like muddied the waters i think in our in our own scenes you know like i've had to i've had to reach out to dudes in other bands and been like i'm sorry i'm sorry i pulled a shotgun out on you man like that was not who i am like i was i was like i was scared of uh being perceived as as nice or weak or any of this stuff and and then i wasn't comfortable in myself and and you know like i i am now and and i think to be honest i think that's what a lot of us alcoholics addicts all, a lot of us are using behind is this like this inability to just be like i exist i'm me and i'm comfortable and i'm gonna be me when i wake up and i'm gonna be me when i go to sleep and that's the best world i can create it's like the affirmation oh, that it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. However fucked okay. up I am or whoever I am. It's, it's okay. It's okay I mean, to be me, you know, like, right. But that's the best. Have, I don't tend to be some other thing. And that's the best thing about recovery at all. 
You know, that's the, yeah. be- you know, the, the, the phrase that really drew me in was like the ability to be your genuine self. I was like, wow. Genuine self. Yeah. I was like, that sounds, that sounds good. When did and you hook up? Like, what were you going to say? Sweet. Mine is like sweet and cares about your day and likes to wear tight pants and, you know, heels that are a little bit too high. Well, good for Fuck you, it. man. Let your freak flag fly, dude. Fuck hey, it. man, like I, I am, I am so, so happy to have been able to just like, you know, and I don't care. I don't honestly, like I see every single, not everyone, like, but I see the really gnarly ones. Like my friends screenshot them and send them to me when like, whenever my dad like posts a picture and it's like me and my son and they're like, Hey, your son's gay. And it's like, whatever, dude. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, we don't care. It's None a, of us care. But it's a lot of pressure to have that be a thing. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it was. Right. It was at a certain age. And but, now it's super. Know. Now it's super beautiful and cool. Like, I mean, when I mentioned, when I mentioned you to your dad, he was just like, oh, you know, I love my kids more than anything. That was just like the first thing he said. When were you running with Rush and Danny? How did that all happen? I, I remember. We met, um, like huddled over a really tall bathtub in a bathroom at a party that a friend of mine was throwing. Um, and her and her boyfriend would always like throw these parties and we met like, no, that's not how we met. We had actually met before that because I went to COP. That was the first time we hung out all night. We met because I went to COP and him and his girlfriend at the time were staying in this dude's garage on a mattress in the back and he had dope and i was like i had gold i had gold teeth and i was like i had like a grill and i was like here take this hold on to it give me the dope hold on to this this is worth money and i'll bring you back bread and he was like yeah man cool and i was like all right i'll see you and then we met again like a week later and had one of those just like, or I'm remembering it totally fucking wrong, man. <laughs> and had one of the, I just remember those two experiences were like right next to one another where we, um, we then shared just a whole night of getting fucked up at this, at this like pad right off of Melrose. We met at Noah's house who passed away. Rest in peace. He was an amazing dude. And um, I, and, and he just, lived in this gnarly gnarly spot that Danny was staying in then he, yeah he had crazy he was on dopey he had crazy dealing stories Danny how did you oh, yeah, how did yeah. you maintain your habit like how did you keep up with the money end stealing stealing what <laughs> just whatever the fuck I could you right. know I was one of those like I was I was at the pawn shop consistently you know uh, hustling, getting, getting shit. You know what I mean? Like I, I, uh, I was not, I was not welcome in many circles after a while. You know what I mean? I had like, you know, I could always kind of, you know, like I was pretty good at convincing people to give me money too. like somehow, I don't know, like, you know, like people I'd met recently, people I'd met, you know what I mean? Like, I could get some, I could always get like, you know, a little bit of cash out of my dad. I could always get like a little, you know what I mean? But there was, there's shit I sold of other people's that I definitely wish I never had. What was the worst one? 
What's what's the worst one that comes to mind? The worst, absolute worst, is 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 from from my dad. Yeah, yeah. Well, was something from him that I it was just it was some of my grandma's stuff after she passed away. Right, that's brutal, brutal to remember yeah. it. And yeah, how, yeah. How, like, how did your dad make peace with giving you money when he knew what you were up to? And when he found out you were on dope, what did he do? What did he say to you? I think there was just a fair amount of denial, you know, like just being, you know, like sometimes shock kind of affects us all in different ways, you know? And, and I think, you know, he said, he said the same thing consistently. He, and you know, here's the thing is like, I fully believed that the truth was relative. What do you mean? But then again, there was also a time when I truly believed that I could sense the future, but only like minutes in advance. <laughs> uh, I tried to like make that spiel at Christmas one year, and that was like not. Everyone's like, "Really, dude? Like, we're all sober now." Um, but that's a different thing. Uh, I I believed that it was like you have your truth, and I have my truth. And, uh, and neither of us is going to prove to the other one that it is. So we're in a stalemate. So there's no such thing as the truth anymore, you know? And like, I would like for all the, like, you know, you're on dope. I'd be like, prove it. So it's just intense rationalization. Yeah. Just, I would just be like, prove it. And they'd be like, well, uh, do a drug test. And I'd be like, okay, I carry fake piss taped to my leg every single day from the moment i wake up and i and i and i microwave it every morning just for this waiting for this one moment did you really there was a period in time yes how long <laughs> how long it was like months definitely there was like a two year so basically this is what happened is i was like pretty solid like you know like yeah things are fucked up but like you know I can like hold, hold it together until I started smoking crack. That was like, I always, I firmly believe that like, if being on drugs is like living in a toilet, you know, putting cocaine into a spoon or a pipe is like flushing the toilet. Okay. You just go down the drain. It's just like, and then you're gone, you know? Like whatever That's you could like, have kept up with, you could not keep up with once you were smoking crack. No, it's like, or shooting Coke, you know, like how many people, I only lasted shooting Coke for like 12 days. <laughs> I only did it one time and it was for 12 days. And it was like the gnarliest ever. I still have a needle broken off in my right arm that they just were like, well, we can't get it out without taking a big chunk of your arm out. So, and I was like, okay. And they were like, well, you could just leave it. And it's still there I mean, it's from, from fucking 2012. That's, you know? that's the great souvenir. <laughs> when yeah. did, when did yeah. you like start like deciding that it was time to like change something? Uh, a friend of mine and I had met uh, just before Christmas of 2013. And uh, we both went on this like serious fucking rampage together. 
and she and I started, uh, she's sober now as well. We started trying to convince one another that they had a problem and needed to get sober. What did that look like exactly? <laughs> it looked like a lot. She was really into like speed balls and I was like smoking crack and shooting dope. And it was a lot of like, ugh, you're from her. It was a lot of like, you're fucking disgusting. Like you really <laughs> have a problem. Like you really need to get sober. You know what I mean? And for me, it was a lot of like, you're really like too good for this world. Like you like this shit, <laughs> like you really need to like go to rehab, you know? And then she went first. I stayed running. Uh, actually visited her at rehab and she was like, you're high right now. And I was like, no, I'm not. And she was like, yeah, you are. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. I'm like smoking crack at the car before I walked in. I'm like, no, I'm not. She's like, you're on crack. You're smoking crack. Like, I know. Give me some. I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, a lot of that. And then uh, actually like she went the first time and then Danny and I, Russian Danny and I actually like snuck dope into her in, like dope and needles into the rehab for her at one time. And then, and then it was like, by a certain point, I was like, okay, fine. You know what? Like, you're right. And, and, and that was the beginning of the end of my using was she had kind of convinced me to tell my parents finally be like, you guys have been right for the better part of a decade. I've been on heroin. I admit it. It's open. It's out. You know, and once you, that's why, like, that's that first step of admitting powerlessness, you know? You can never take that first step back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's so crazy to me how many people will do it, and then, you know, like, down the line, they're like, I don't think I'm... See, I, I'm when, I, when, I, when I told my parents that I was on heroin, like, they didn't understand it. You know what I mean? They didn't understand any of it, and I kept using for another... I, I, I probably another 10 years, you know what I mean? Like uh, from when they found me in the first place to when I finally got off of methadone, it was like 10 years, 11 years. Uh, see, for me, it was like, I, I was in rehab later that day. <laughs> but your dad knew what to do. And my he, dad, well, and not just that, like there's, I mean, how many fucking rehabs did he like help get off the ground right? in the last 50 years in LA? And eventually I, I couldn't be, it, I went to seven rehabs from January of 2014 to July. Wow. You just kept and leaving? I just kept leaving. There was one that I completed, but the problem was also this other thing that had unlocked in my brain when I showed up, which was that I, I knew the book front to back. So I would be like six days, I'd be right out of detox. You know, I just stopped sweating. And they like finally let me out of whatever like room I was in, you know, and, and, and I would be in leading the groups. Was that, was that, I mean, how, was that annoying? Did you resent the book? Did you resent having it burned into your brain when you couldn't, you know what I mean? It's like knowing how to do karate without knowing how to do karate. No, it was the ultimate hustle. Right. I was getting over on everybody. I was in there and I was like, yeah, well, you know, on page. And it's like, that's the thing. I mean, how many of us, how many of us do you see? Like, and I was blessed with, with doing that before I actually got any time together. You know, I would, I would get like 30 days, maybe in that year, I got like 30 days, maybe before I actually got sober. And, and the thing was, was 
I see now in the program so many people. They come in, they're they're you know studious. And they they just they just read the book, they memorize it, and they're book fucking thumping at ninety days. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, bro, I'm sorry, like you don't get to be an old timer until you have old time, like. You know, like these are the crutches that we use to maintain our ego. These are the things that we use to like, to like maintain our wall. Like I had, there was this dude named Matt who had time. He had time when I was a kid, you know, like I met him, like when I was like 14 going to meet him, I was like this coolest dude ever, you know what I mean? Um, And he would always say that dope was like his, his wetsuit, you know? for the world sure and it was like this it was this this barrier just this little thin barrier that he could put around himself and 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 be warm and and be safe in the wilds of the ocean yes yeah and deal with the world and i always thought of it as like a curtain like a big red curtain i was like like a stage you know you know you're you're there were those there are those who are behind the curtain and there are those who are in front of the curtain and it's like the whole everyone in your life is this audience, you know, and the only ones behind the curtain are the other ones on dope. In my opinion, that's how I felt like it was, you know, it's like, we know what's really going on. All of these other people don't for all of the like, Oh, it's held up by ropes or, Oh, it's that you can do when you're like watching a play. You don't know what it's taking to maintain this whole deal and what's really going on. So when you're using with somebody, it's like, you're both behind this curtain and you're seeing what's really going on and then there's what you project out and i think a lot of people you know hit the program and they still have that curtain up and they use the program as that curtain right. and i was doing that in rehab where it's like i did i'm thumping book you know like full on like knew the shit and then it would reach a point where it would be like well i don't know let's ask gilbert do you know what i mean and i'm like You've got like 15 like, days and you're like the big book scholar. It's like, it's gotta yeah, be, it's and gotta like, be fucked and, up. Yeah, exactly. And like, I, I, I went to fucking sober living, you know, I picked the sober living that the girl that I had the crush on went to and went there, lasted for half a week. And then, you know, caught the gold line down to fucking Chinatown, walked to Skid Row and was like, well, if I only buy a 10 rock, it'll wear off by the time I get back. Right. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause that's where all of that shit gets. It's like, you know, the program and the whole deal for me is like that, that like release of all the shit. It's like, bro, I'm just fucking sitting here. And like, and like, I'm just trying to like have whatever somebody says break through my own fucking ego for 10 seconds so that I can like maintain a little bit. So I can just like add it to the list of shit that I, can fall back on when when i start to try to like wrestle existence back from god when did it actually start hitting you i um i was like i think i'm gonna try what what clicked though did did something click did something change or was it just like fuck this i'm tired of being a fraud i'm tired of like who who am i fooling you know what i mean this is my life really i try i tried like i always thought like dude this shit is 
fucking easy. You know what I mean? And then I tried at this one rehab and I got 30 days and I got fucking loaded again afterwards. And I was devastated. I was like, what do you mean that just like trying, like, you know, to the universe? I was like, what do you mean trying isn't enough? <laughs> like, like I did try, like I did try, like I thought I tried, you know, and then from there out, it became this very quick decline to, I just need to fucking die then. Cause if, 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 if getting sober doesn't actually work, like I tried it, you know, and granted I tried it in this fucked up shitty way of this brain that I still was latching onto and this ego that I was still like, you know, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I was like, what do you mean? Like I tried, it didn't work. And then I was like getting high and that wasn't working anymore. And now I'm like, and it just very quickly spiraled into me just being like, if getting sober doesn't work and living doesn't work, then the only thing that'll work is dying. Cause I'm done. Like I'm done being me, you know? And, I'm, and I don't get to be the me that I thought I was gonna get to be. And, and so, so then that didn't work too. And <laughs> cause you weren't and, ready to die. You weren't ready to kill yourself. You know, that's, I mean, that's crazy and, and very deep. I mean, I tried, man. I tried, I, I, you know, like I hit, I hit a cup. I hit, I mean, it was sludge. <laughs> like, like I was like, I'm going to make, I'm going to make sludge and I'm going to put it in there. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, 0.3 water with two and a half fucking grand. Like, I was like, I'm just going to like, you know, this is, I mean, dude, the fucking plunger would hardly push down. Like, I was like, this will, if this doesn't, if, it, if it's not enough to kill me, it's enough to just like clog whatever the fuck needs to work, you know? Yeah. I yeah. wasn't going to like, I mean, I was like out in the street doing it with sh no shoes on, you know, sobbing, crying. And you, and, were, uh, you were either ready to go or get as high as you could, and it didn't kill you. Like, that, that was what I was talking about before, where me and Chris would be like, it, does, it can't kill us. You know, and it didn't kill you. Like, were you frustrated? It was after that. Okay. I was like, after that shot, I was like, this shit's not going to kill me. Right. I'm, like, just going to be, I'm in hell right. forever. <laughs> like, it's not going to kill me. And then, and then I went to, I, I was like, I went to a rehab out of LA. I went out of everything and I was just, it clicked in there. In there, I was like, I was always able to out, out IQ the dudes that worked at the rehab, you know? Yes. I was able to out big book half of them. I'm, I'm sure more, I'm sure more than that. Considering, yeah, and, considering where you grew up and how you grew up, I'm sure. And I was like at this rehab in Lake Arrowhead and there was this dude who had like a, it was like kind of like a third step class. You know what I mean? And he had like a solid suit. He had like a decent car and it, he didn't have physically anything that I wanted. I could tell that he had a lot of really good shit for him. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I was sitting there one day and I was like, my IQ is definitely higher than this dude's. 
And then I was like, in reality, like, you know, there's, so there's like a second gauge of intelligence basically, which is like your emotional quotient, like your, your emotional intelligence, you know? And, and I actually have like a pretty high emotional intelligence. Like I've like even using like a serious amount of empathy. We were just talking about like my last few days using, you know what I mean? I was like, you know, like this is like, chick had gotten robbed i have this like one memory of this chick getting robbed and then like i'll i'll get you some money because like that's terrible you know <laughs> like right. like like i'm like still like an empathetic person even out there like you know so many people are like yeah that dude sucked to be around but he was a great guy he was, the, he was the sweetest junkie i ever met yeah it's like it's really nice dude it's exactly the same just like you couldn't like take your eyes off of him because he'd steal your shit you know Unless you were shooting um, coke, and then you were really nasty. Yeah. Yes. Fuck you over somehow. You know what I mean? And so, so, so then, then, uh, so I was like, you know, my emotional intelligence is probably higher than this dude's too. And I remember sitting there in this class on the second floor of this rehab, and like, you know, I'd gotten an iPod in there that like could connect to the internet, so I was like still checking Instagram, like low key, and still not following the fucking rules, and you know, like shooting it over to other people and being like, you know, like what are you? Like what music should we download? Like da, da, da. you know, like because you have to have some kind of weird, hustle. stupid little hustle. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> As your world gets smaller, your hustles get dumber, and you're like, I'm an adult fucking man, like hustling my fucking, you know, the Wi-Fi password. You know, um, but like, to get anyway. you high, to get you high, and there's <laughs> yeah, I, some I sort it. of yeah, I get it. Secrets, man. It's a secret. Yes. That's the real, the real gateway drug is the secret. Right. That's it. The Doesn't shared secret, it. the shared yeah. secret at rehab is a, is a spicy, tasty little morsel. For oh, real. of course. And, um, and, uh, and, and I remember sitting there and thinking like, I was looking at this dude and I was like, there's a third kind of intelligence. It's not, it's, it's not intellectual. It's not emotional. It's, it's fucking spiritual. And like this dude has me, that's the reason why this dude can live. And that's the reason why this dude can be satisfied with that car and satisfied with that suit and satisfied with that life and fucking happy, you know? Yeah. That's crazy. Dude doesn't want more because I want more. It doesn't matter what it is. Like I want more. Do you know what I mean? How like, are you with that now? I still want more with so with everything. Like I'm crazy yeah, I mean, with it. I'm, you know, I'm really, I'm really, I mean, fuck man. It depends on the day. I'm not about to sit here and be like, you know, I'm satisfied. Like, right. but it, it really depends on the day. And the moment it's like training. Yeah. It's training to be satisfied. It's not just going to uh, happen. You have to train to yeah. not seek more. You know, I, I, no, I like, it's crazy. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. We have to remind ourselves that we're not God. Like we are the only group of people that it's like, <laughs> it's a requirement to remind yourself that you aren't God. Like on a consistent, that's the reason why we pray and meditate. <laughs> like, it's like, oh yeah, you're not God. Every morning. Hey dude, you're not God. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that shit powerful being in the universe. And that shit hit you on that from that third step class from this less than greatly dressed or driving dude. No, he got... was he was like I don't mean like he was not. I just mean I like, get it. You, no, I, I'm just fucking I, with you. I get it. No, he was fucking slick. 
I, no, he I get it. Maybe he like, was too slick. The point is he, he got the lesson. On. He had like clean glasses. He drove this Lexus. I just mean like, I just mean like for me, I was like, you know, he was like, he was like, like, it was like a perfect sort of like, I could tell he was satisfied. I could tell he ironed his clothes and I could tell he loved them. And I could tell he, you know, and for me, it's like, I could, you could give me, you could give me a full fucking $10,000 wardrobe from Rodeo Drive, I would not be satisfied. I would sell the fucking pants and be standing there in a coat with no fucking pants on. Well, that's the you classic know? Gilbert Trejo. That's the classic yeah. move. Yeah, and I'm just saying, like, so, so I was just like, this dude is satisfied in the shit he's in, in the life he's got, in the everything. I was like, fuck, man, how do you get that? And I was looking at him and I was like, his spiritual intelligence is so, this dude has faith. Like I have none of that in anything. And you acquired it there. And it was like, it was like a, it was like a big fucking slap in the face that allowed me to be humbled enough to then chase faith, you know? And when did you tell your dad? That, that you had some sort of, because that is a spiritual awakening in itself. It is. Yeah. When did you well, tell I'm your dad? God. <laughs> said, right. You know what? Maybe I'm not God. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's like, that's the best spiritual awakening some of us can hope for. I don't think I ever thought I was God, but I not thought. Me, I don't mean like. No, I like, know what you, you know, mean. Like, the, the, like you can you choose, them. right. You can choose shit yeah. that you can't choose. You know what yeah. I mean? You could get what you want when you can't get it. When you told your dad, was he like, that's my boy? Like, what, what happened? Nah, man, I never really, like... You never got into it? Nah, I just kind of, like, started trying to become, like, okay, you know? And then, you know, I still had a lot of guilt, and I still had a lot of shit, and I still had a lot of amends I needed to make, and I, and, you know, I had this fucking problem of knowing all of the steps and all of the debt, and I had to, like, continuously just remind myself that I wasn't at this point yet and at that point yet and really like making the film with my dad was the big you know the big step in my opinion it was kind of like this this being able to share this experience and being able to fill a role that he that I've seen him respect since I was a little boy you know right and and you get to assert you you assert your artistic vision and he helps you achieve it yeah yeah like i've seen my dad you know like walk onto the set and point to the director and be like that dude is that dude really knows his shit like that dude's really i can't believe that dude's doing all of this you know and it's like fucking michael mann or robert rodriguez or like you know and he's like yeah check that dude out you know it's like Babe Ruth or something, you know what I mean? Like for guys that are into baseball or whatever, it's like look, look at him. Like wow, that's like a, that's a man right there, you know. Right. And and you know, and I got to be that with him, and we got to sort of share the experience of like the purge, if that makes sense. What um, about what about in the book when it talks about being the actor and not being the director? Like, how does that infiltrate your whole, you know? vision like does that fuck with you that that your your dream is to be the director that that is your profession 
No, I don't think I chose it as much as I think I'm just like, I, I, it's, it's really one of the, I feel really, really blessed with feeling like, like I, like I, like that's what I have to be, you know? Right. Right. Like, like I, it's your, it's like, it chose you. This is your dream and that you can't do anything about it. Yeah, we did. We made these two videos this last month. One was for my girlfriend's band, um, Starcrawler. And we did, it was like the biggest production I've ever had to like, you know, had the like opportunity to work on. Like we just pulled everything together. We got like all these cameos and it's just like fun. You know, it was like a one day shoot. It's like, it was an amazing, like, you know, it was just an amazing production oiled smoothly. Like finally got this like machine of feeling like we're doing this like commercial shit, you know? And, and, and I felt so comfortable. And then it's like a couple weeks later, I'm doing one where it's like, it's just Amina, my DP and I, and we have a Bolex and like, we're like, I'm strapped to the hood of a car. Cause we're doing this video for this punk band dead city. And it's like, you know, the song's called Mech Psychosis. And we're like, it's just like the two of us in a camera and we're fucking running around with this wild tweaker dude, you know? And it's like, so it's like the highest of the high, the lowest of the low. Like I feel that's where I feel like the most at home is like in that position doing that. Like I can like breathe and allow my skill set to sort of like shine. I couldn't imagine filling any other role on set, you know? Well, I think the best thing is like you got, sober and you got to make your dream come true and i mean like i was super impressed with the mike campbell the dirty knobs video the covid video oh, i love man. that and I, and I watched a couple of the star crawler videos i think they're great um dude this one that's about to come out i'm really fucking proud of well we'll promote yeah. it we'll promote it on the old on the old dopey show um Fuck you, man. and like let me ask you this because like i'm a fan of drug movies and i never saw panic in needle park like what that's your favorite. You would you put that on top of the Mount Rushmore of drug movies. Yeah, I think. I mean, it's. I think, man, like they really just like, it's the it's the one with the pain, man. You know, like it's not a perfect movie, but it's the it's for me it's the most emotional sort right. of. It's the one with the pain, you know. Like, I always thought, like you know, like. Requiem was like a dare ad. It was a terrifying, like, whole, oh, like, you know what I mean? It's like the, that's like the fucking, the video that they show you in like driving school where it's like, you know, like red asphalt. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh my God. Like, they're like, and they died, <sighs> you know? But like, to me, Panic in Eagle Park was like the, like, it's the one, it's the one that my experience, I think. How about you? What do you think? I mean, for me, like, it's fucked up because there's so many of your, where you're at when you watch the movie. I think, like, if I was to add it all up, uh, Drugstore Cowboy, just because oh, I, I like the narration and I like the way they shot it and I yeah. love the dialogue. Like, I love, like, the humility of the dialogue and I, and, and I think Matt Dillon, just his voice is great in that movie. Oh, know? he's great. You know, so I, I love that one. I love Train Spotting. Uh, I thought train spotting was great. I thought the the again like the the narration. I think narration is good in drug movies. It's know? true. My see, my only problem is this thing of feeling like I'm like 
it's cool. You know, it's like the hardest, the hardest part for me to get past is like, I just feel like it's like, I mean, we know in private what we think is cool. And it's like, it's easier to like, it's easier, you know, it's like for us, like telling stories, which we, I, we didn't do. <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize for like, kind of like not getting into like the stories. Tell me a story before you go, but keep, <laughs> tell me a story. I was, I was thinking about that, but tell me a fucking, give me one story. We before. Just, we just really didn't tell stories. But I guess what I mean is like you and I telling stories to one another. We're like, fuck man, that was wild. That was, but we can conversationally be like, like I am standing here at the end of all of that. And I can say a lot of pain came, a lot of work came, and now I'm here. But we, we tell them with the tinge of every one of our, you know, like fallen friends and every, we can laugh about the shit that we've done because it's ridiculous. But we also, like, when I hear, you know, an it's all bad, when I hear you, when I hear, and it's like we have this other bit in our voice that's like, you know, we, we've also spoken about, like, everyone that we love that's dead. It's we've a pain, there's a pain filter. Fear. There's a pain it's filter. It's there, yeah. Absolutely. And that's the thing that I think is really hard for people making movies is, A, you're – a lot of the time you're dealing with people who didn't do it and didn't live it and, and are adapting a story from somebody else. And so it's, there's a lot of like, not glorification. No, but, but there is, a, there is, I mean, there, there, yeah, there there's is a lens of yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody on the outside being like, Whoa, that's cool. You know, but they don't have the experience of like, you know, like the, they don't have the, the, the tears didn't go into it. There's the blood and the sweat in the making of the movie, but there aren't the tears of the, the, the life that they lived, you know? So it's like, you have these great filmmakers making these great drug movies, and you're like, fuck, man, that's rad. But there's a bit of their sort of, you Sensationalism know, or something. Sensationalism, yeah, you know? It's like, even in the bad parts, it's easy to, like, watch the bad parts of those drug movies and be like, yeah, but that's not real. Do you know what I mean? Like, totally you hallucinate the baby walking on the ceiling. Like, come yeah, on. yeah, I mean, exactly. You know, exactly. Like, there's no way that's a real thing. The floor falling down and in train spine. You're like, that looks fucking cool. That's the way somebody explained dope to him. Right, right. Someone was like, yeah, it feels like the floor just like sinks around you. And you're like, and he's like, whoa, I can figure out how to shoot that, you know? But it's not the, you know, it's like. That's not, not what it feels it. like to get sick. You know what I mean? Like exactly. there, there is no hallucination. The thing I liked about train spotting and the thing I like about any drug movie is the connection between the addicts and their experience yeah. as a group. And those moments that feel like they're sharing an experience. But I, I think that for me, like I haven't watched train spotting in many years. Um, but I know that. I, I like movies. I like the music in the movies. I like the the, totally. the way something is shot and what it makes you feel like 
and, and I, I get what you're saying. It's like, cause there's a responsibility, especially if yeah. you're a drug addict in recovery to not glorify or sensationalize. And how do you make a movie that captures this, but doesn't capture that or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's weird. It's like, how do you tell the story of your drug experience without being like, like, damn, that's fucking fun. Right. Do you know what I mean? I loved I loved how heroin made me feel. And you don't want to put that in the movie because yeah, you can't be like, yo, right. I had so much fun. Cause it's like you there are day there, yeah, I had so much fun on that day. But the the fun that I had on that day like washed away the fact that I was like literally like I my you know, the the ball of shit in my stomach from my bodily functions not working. Like, you know, like <laughs> like like was weighing me down in the most painful, you know, or it's like, uh, you know, I was walking on the heels of my feet because I'd had seven abscesses packed on the balls of my feet. Is that true? Yeah. I had like gone on a long ass mission in slippers that, uh, you know, I would always buy the like house shoes because they were five bucks and you could throw them away afterwards. And that's kind of how I ended up with no shoes half the time. Um, and, you know, I could always like stop at a liquor store or swap me and buy some house shoes. And, and, and plus, I like to be fucking comfortable, you know. And I wasn't walking around all the time. But there was one time I was in this outpatient treatment and it was like right across from the rainbow and and uh, like up up in that whatever building that is. And then I walked down to my friend Daniel's house and he's on doheny and pico and i'm walking from doheny and hollywood and it's a fucking trek you know what i mean and then we're gonna go downtown we walk you know over here we walk over there we da, 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 da. and uh and i ended up with blisters like terrible blisters in the bottoms of my feet and i was like fuck man my feet are all fucked up and because my immune system was garbage i just they just all turned to abscesses it was I had like, I used to shoot in the bottom of my feet, but that was a long, that was when I was trying to hide it from this girlfriend that I'd had. Like, uh, I knew she wouldn't check the bottoms of my feet, you know, but that was, it had been a long time since then. I just, um, you hit veins in the bottom of your feet. Yeah. I found them. I've never, dude, I was like hitting in the like insides of my middle knuckles, like, you know, in the tips of my fingers and the, I was finding some weird, you know, I would hit in my hands like that too, only because I didn't have good veins in my arms. So I would find Anymore. them in my fingers. No, no, I just never, yeah. I never, my veins never in my arms were never that good. And I still have scars on my hands. Would you still, where are your scars still? Oh, all over. I mean, you know, the problem was after I started smoking crack, it was like every little scratch abscessed. So it's like, I mean, God, I probably had 40 abscesses packed in a year. Yeesh. You know, and I would be like, I would like, everyone was smoking meth and I didn't like meth at all, but everyone was smoking it and I liked crack. So I would like show up and it would be like Danny and his girlfriend and like a couple other people. And I'd be like, yo, like, let's go hit up the dude that's got the Coke. Like I'll, um, I'll like whip up some rock and they'd be like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll like go over. And I had totaled my car, you know, I had, I had like, I just totaled my car <laughs> so i was on foot at this point and i was like that was when things got really like fucking crazy and um they'd be like no 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 like you know like we're smoking shit and so they were all you know like smoking meth and or, like you know like take a shot and be like all right let's like get the dude you know and 
be like, dude, just like have some of this. And I'd be like, I hate that shit, man. I don't do that. Like, and I would say that for the first half an hour I was at, like every single day when I'm sure I showed up, I'd be like, I don't smoke meth. And then we're smoking meth, you know, like, of course it's like, yeah, I don't like that. And then you're doing it. And so um, I would like smoke meth and some people would, like pick at their faces and I would like take old rigs and try to like pick all the black shit out of the abscesses, you know? Yeah. And then eventually be like, Oh fuck, I gotta go to the hospital, man. This shit's gonna get in my blood. And so I would just like, it was like a regular, <laughs> so many hospitals. Hey, yeah, this one on my arm. Hey, yeah, this one on my leg. Hey, yeah, this. And you know, I, uh, I couldn't go above the collar because of my family. Like I couldn't hit anywhere above the collar. You know, I feel like there's only two types of people. Like when you get to that point, there's like collar up, or like waistband down. You know, and like you that's were you were, you, you were waistband down. I was a waistband. Yeah. I was a waistband down guy. So, you know, I'd have like my pants all the way off and my shirt cover and what needed to be covered, trying to find something to my thighs or, you know, like windows did not work and try and find something, you know, and just whatever, wherever I could. And, um, and so like I had ended up with these, all of these abscesses in the bottoms of my feet and went to Kaiser and, um, was like, Hey, I'm, like, I can't walk, <laughs> you know, like, I'm going to like, I don't want to lose my feet, <laughs> you, you know, like, because every time you have an abscess, you look and you're like, I might lose that arm. Well, it's like, it's you know? like, it's like what you said with the driver's ed requiem for a dream shit. You know what I mean? You're yeah. watching him lose it. So how, how bad yeah. did it get in your feet? Um, they were bad. I, there was seven of them that needed to be packed. And I was like, pretty and I mean, you know, I, I ended up running out of that hospital. Like I told, I was telling somebody this story the other day and I feel like I didn't say it on it's all bad. I'm almost positive. I didn't say it on it's all bad. So I'm hoping that that's true, but I, uh, I didn't hear this story on it's all bad. I listened this morning. Okay. So I ended up probably just being fucked up and thinking that the cops were going to try to get me in the, in at Kaiser. And I just dipped in the fucking robe, no pants, no nothing. I left all the clothes I had there. And um, I even left the dope I had in the pocket. Like, you know, I was just like out in the robe, kind of like running on the heel, on my heels down sunset, like 11 a.m. Uh, ass hanging out. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> like, just like, fuck it, I'm getting out of here. You know what I mean? And um, this uh, black SUV pulled up right next to me. And was like, hey, dude, uh, jump in. And it was this, it was this uh, <laughs> older Uber driver dude that uh, Danny had introduced me to a little while. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, but he drove like the Uber Blacks, you know? Sure. And, and uh, uh, this older, older dude who liked, um, I was just his type. <laughs> you know, this is like scrawny, skinny, little, you know what I mean? Pantsless like, guy. Yeah. Pantsless guy. Yeah. So I, and I didn't know that at the time, you know? Uh, and so I'm running on the balls of my feet. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, dude, the cops are after me. And I, I go, yeah, right. Who the fuck knows, you know? And so I jump in and he's like, we could go to my pad. And like his pad happens to be um, the storage spaces that are right there, like two blocks away from the hospital because like 
three blocks pulls into this storage space and is like, come in here, you know, come inside. So we're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Um, you really got me out of a tough spot, you know? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No stress, no stress. Uh, you want like, you want some shit? I'm like, nah, man, I don't, I don't smoke meth. I don't like that shit. You know, and he's like, all right, for sure. And I'm like, and he's like smoking. I'm like, well, you know, I mean, I just might as well until like, until like we, you know, we can get something else, you know? And uh, which is like, <laughs> like, so it's like, still, I, I still can't help but laugh at how many times I was like, nah, man, I don't fuck with that shit. You know, it's like, well, you're, you're on it every day. So I had the same thing with meth. I wound up, I wound up shooting meth when I got to LA because uh, I had nothing else. You know what I mean? I did yeah. it until I could get back to dope, you know, but continue. And you're like, no, I don't like this shit. Yeah. But Give you're doing Yeah. Right. So what is that? So what? <laughs> so, I mean, I did it because I, I think I just need, it's the secret. Like you said, it's, it's the ritual. It's getting fucked it's up. The, it's something, you yeah. know what I mean? No, I was exactly the same what? way with meth. If you say you don't like it enough, you're never buying it. Right, right. But you're I, always doing it. Yeah, I was always smoking my friends constantly or shooting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's those people that are like quitting smoking by just bumming cigarettes. And it's like, bro, you smoke just as much. It's just everyone else's. You're just smoking my cigarettes now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just quit oh, smoking nah, man, yours. I exactly. I quit. Can I bum one? Right. I'm not buying packs. I'm like, okay, well, fucking, you better start, bro, because you're not quitting. What, um, what happened with the dude? So I'm start, I start smoking out of the like, out of the like bong that he's got. And I'm sitting there and he's got like a, a lazy boy, like two like lazy boys and like a small couch and this like pretty rad setup that he had, you know, a little hot plate and everything. And, um, and uh, he was like, so what happened? You know, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, it's like all fucked up. And I got these abscesses on my feet and I've been walking a lot and like, I just like, they packed them, but the cops came and they were after me and I had some dope in my pocket and I lost it and like had my cash on me, you know? So it's like, now I'm broke. And he was like, fuck man, let me see. Let me see. They packed the abscesses. And I'm like, yeah. And so I put my foot up and I'm like, yeah, dude, it's all fucked up. You know? Um, he's like holding my heel and he's like, man, this is bad. Like how many were on this foot? And I'm like, it's like three or four, like it's all fucked up. And then he's like, uh, and then he's like, um, uh damn and you've been how'd you get these I'm like, dude i was walking like crazy man like i walked from here to here and then here to here and I was in slippers and my shit was all bad and then it's like fuck and then his like hand went up to my achilles tendon you know he's like oh yeah dude you've been like it's tight like you've been really putting and i was like yeah dude like my legs are all fucked up and so he starts like kind of like massaging my calf a little bit. You know what I mean? He's like, oh yeah, dude, this shit is bad. Like, and I'm just like, yeah, dude, like, you know, like hitting the fucking meth bong or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's like, and now I'm like walking on my heels, you know? So he was like, yeah, oh man. Yeah, dude, these muscles are tight. Like you really definitely need to get like a massage or something, you know? <laughs> and I'm sitting, like, in, leg in this dude's lap and I'm like in his storage space, like smoking meth, you know? It's naked. like his romantic dream here. Yeah, 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 totally. It's like a, like a, like a YA novel about how me and this dude hook up. And, um, you know, he's like, oh yeah, no, that's your whole hamstring. Like I can feel it up here back behind your knee and i'm like oh yeah is that i was like are there any good stretches for that you know and he's like yeah well and he starts like 
inching closer and inching closer, you know? And I'm legitimately oblivious while he's like massaging the back of my thigh, right. you know? Going, going up and <laughs> going like towards. full on, like full on, like back of my thigh. If, I mean, it felt good. Like it's like at no point is getting a, a thigh massage, not like super bomb, you know? I'm with Especially you. when like you've been on the street walking around for uh, days, <laughs> you know. So he's like, "Oh yeah, man, this is bad." And there was like just one like finger spot that he reached on the inside, and I was like, "This dude's trying to fuck me right now." <laughs> but I'm like, and like I like. I had a moment of clarity <laughs> holding this dude's meth bong, you know, leg mas thigh mas bomb thigh massage. It's like something's getting, happening here. I'm getting this bomb thigh, mas thigh massage in a storage space at like 11 AM by candlelight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like legitimately like yeah, he's got Sade like, playing. You're all fucked up. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God. And I like shoved the bong like in towards him and like stood up, you know? And I'm like, you know, my hospital gown is all, <laughs> all fucked up. And I was like, dude, seriously. He's like, what? And I was like, you're going to make this weird. You're like, how dare you? I, I came here under no pretenses. Yeah. I'm like, really, dude? Like, thank you. Thank you for making this weird. Like we were just hanging, you know? And it's like, yeah, because hanging naked in a fucking storage yeah, space. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like With a, stra a stranger. Yes. Perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. With this like Uber driver that fucking Danny introduced me to one time before at 2 a.m. You know what I mean? Um, pick me up naked, running with my ass out. I'm like, oh, good day. You good know? day, like, sir. I'm having none <laughs> yeah. of this. And then you just uh, left. Yeah. And I, and I took off. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I managed to get Daniel to come pick me up. And he was like, dude, what are you doing? And I was like, Sky was like, <laughs> get fresh, <laughs> like, you know? Um, That's funny. And, and then the next time I saw the dude, he said I owed him 40 bucks for smoking me out. And for the drive, for the ride. Don't, don't forget the <laughs> Uber ride, you know? That's funny. That is funny. You want to do me a favor? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I sent you... Uh, a dopey email. You want to read it? Okay. Do you yeah. have it? Yeah. All right, cool. Um, because the guy kind of asked the question and we can use your expertise to answer it also. Yeah, fuck yeah. Dear Dave, firstly, thank you so much for all the great work and great entertainment you provide. I fucking love dopey. I'm sorry this email won't contain any dopey. I would like to ask what you think about my situation and any advice you might want to share. Shortest backstory come from a long line of monolithic alcoholics and addicts. I grew up in Baltimore. I was very ill as a child and my substance use started at age four, being given codeine syrup for a month, then withdrawing repeatedly for eight years. I stopped drinking 24 years ago and I smoke pot daily. Here's my issue. I'm now 51 years old and have suffered from mental illness as long as I can remember. I take a few medications and I've been on a doctor's supervised maintenance dosage of Klonopin for 20 years. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, I took I took five milligrams a day for 16 years, then lost my insurance and had to wean off. Luckily, I was able to do it slowly. I did have a seizure on the first day. I was completely off of it, but it was as bad as as 
but it wasn't as bad as the two seizures I had earlier when I couldn't get a refill in time. I was off of it for 14 months, and it was absolutely the worst fucking time of my life. I was completely useless to myself and everyone around me, blah, blah, blah. I got insurance after that and now take two milligrams a day for the last three years. I've researched the effects of long-term use. I do struggle with my memory daily and really fear some, some of the others. Having had the experience of coming off of it before, I'm trying to weigh the pros and cons of just taking it for the rest of my life. I don't abuse it. I learned early to have respect for the drugs I use, and I don't honestly know with my tolerance if abuse is even possible for me at this point. I can only overdose. I feel like I would need a year or more of intense treatment to stop, to learn to live without clonopin. I can't go through life without a functioning GABA system like I did when I lost my insurance. I don't know how many good years I have left anyway at my age. I would really appreciate any insight you would be willing to share. Sorry for the lack of dopey, and thank you for reading this book about me and Kalanapin. Lots of love. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles for Chris. What do you think? That's a fucked up story. Fuck, man. I mean, that's like... I, did you do a lot of Klonopin? No, I'm totally allergic. Really? To benzos or just Klonopin? I mean, uh, benzos, I think, like, every time I took, like a, like, a quarter of a bar of Xanax, I ended up in a blind rage uh, making a crazy scene. Like, you know, some people are like, oh, I took a Xanax bar. And, like, for me, it was like, if I took a, the smallest amount of Xanax, it's like I was, I might be a sex offender by the end of the day. Right. Like, you know, like I got in, one time I got in a fight at the Grove because I took a quarter of a bar of Xanax at noon on a Saturday. And uh, this dude was like, fuck you, bitch, fuck you, bitch. And I had a friend tell me the story later. I was like, I pulled my dick out. <laughs> And I was like, we're going to have a dick, big dick contest and let's just fucking see him. You know what I mean? Go on. Come on. Show me your dick, motherfucker. And then, like, we're running. I was I chased these dudes past the toy store at the Grove trying to fight them with exposing myself. You was, know? Was your dick out for the run or just in the beginning? For the run, yeah. I guess I was, like, waddle running with my <laughs> – and, um, and it's like that's, like, my benzo allergy I was you know, I was fucking totally hooked on benzos, especially in L.A. because you could buy them for like a buck downtown. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I mean like that's how I would react to an actual quarter of a Xanax bar, like what point five. Well, it's funny because because everybody has their thing that they can't do or don't do. Yeah. This guy is is maintaining on two milligrams, you know, which seems like, you know, it's, so it's a like one Xanax bar a day, basically. Exactly, which is what I was prescribed after, like I was abusing it. But still, one will get you high. It'll have an effect. It won't make you like. I mean, unless you're allergic like you, it won't make you go crazy and pull your dick out and get into fights. But it will affect you. I mean, my advice would be for him to do the wean and fucking go slow and see what he can do when and you know twelve yeah. step and shit. But every I mean, I no go I for fully it. Fully believe that like a life without drugs. It's difficult and amazing, you know, when you have that dependence. I feel like a life without dependence is amazing. It's incredible, you know? right? Freedom. It's just like pure freedom. Yeah. I also, I believe that the, you know, like Western medical industrial complex basically is like, is, is, is 
structured to keep you using things long term. You know, I mean, how many people is like, it's like, bro, you only need Suboxone for four fucking days. And then they're on it for like 10 years. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, but it's this long, crazy thing. It's like, you know, like that's, there's an incentive to keep you on stuff. And I think realistically, you know, with that kind of thing, like it's about finding a doctor that you trust as a person on an emotional level, who doesn't stand to gain anything from keeping you hooked on. Cause you know, like we're learning constantly. It's like in seventies and eighties and these time periods, like, methadone was the best option to just getting you off of dope totally you know it was the only thing that existed like you know like my generation had suboxone the way that my parents generation did not my dad's generation didn't even have methadone like they, my dad got sober in the fucking 60s my mom's generation had methadone my generation has suboxone you know but we're constantly learning that like these things that we for fucking i mean what the generation before my dad like my great-grandparents generation they had just fucking heroin <laughs> you could go you could get be like yeah you know i just I have a terrible headache and they're like here's some coke and here's some heroin and you know and so it's like we're constantly learning that what we're prescribing to people can be harmful is not good you know it's like it's always crazy how a generation later you're like i can't believe they were doing that yeah i mean that's i can't believe right that shit was legal and you that's know? the and thing we'll be with, there with benzos at some point well i think i mean like i was on benzos forever i had a million i had at least 10 seizures like all over the place and um it's hard. Benzo addiction is crazy innocuous, like, because especially on a low dose, which is the worst thing I think about Suboxone and this stuff is that it's very hard to come off it as slowly as it can be comfortable, you know, point, yeah. like point milligrams, point one, point yeah. two, whatever. And like, I think you're right. I think that all we can vote is that this guy is as happy and joyous and free as possible and try to try the wean and try doing everything yeah. you can and realize that there is no timetable on getting well and you might not even notice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then one day it's you true. do. It's true. But I would just say like, there's gotta be, there's, there, there's, there are people that stand to gain from maintaining your dependence on prescription drugs. That's always the case. Right, but fuck and, that because this guy's got something to gain from getting off it. Regardless exactly. of what somebody else is going to benefit from him buying two milligrams a day or whatever, he's exactly. going right, to get a great benefit. Yeah, so that's the thing to keep in mind is what I'm saying. Is like, you know, is, it, is this what's best for you or is this what's best for, for you know, the, the big machine? All right, well, that's, you know? that's, that's the Ask Gilbert section of the show. <laughs> But before you go, or before we go, I have one more question. Don't pull your dick out at the grove, whatever you do. Okay, that's the advice from this episode. <laughs> do not pull your dick out at the grove, unless you need to impress somebody or, uh, or, or win the battle of uh, the big dick contest, in which case you have to. But um, I mean, dude, I'm so lucky that I had friends with me that day. You know, like I'd, I would have to be here. How I'm did it end? Explain. How did the grove experience end? I guess a friend of mine had to grab me like a fucking surfboard yelling, fuck you, show me your fucking dick, motherfucker, like to the car and get out of there before the police came. Well, it's good to have friends. That's the other lesson. Um, yeah, but I, here's my big question before we go. Your dad like works in treatment and is like this fucking pillar of, of AA. Do you feel pressure to be that in 12 step? 
No, man. No, I don't. I, you know, I really, I really love the way that this program is built for each of us to do it our own fucking way. Right. You know, there's 12 steps. Um, you know, like they, they say that they're recommended, but that's, you know, <laughs> I think the only thing that you have to do is the 12 steps and be of service. And that looks like something else to everybody. You know what I mean? Not everyone's going to be like the fucking circuit speaker guy at the fucking, you right. know what I mean? And it's, and it's great because not, not everybody wants that. And the thing is, is if every one of us was struggling to be the most popular guy in AA, then there's those guys who have social anxiety and don't fucking like to be the center of attention and have a lot of fear. And the day that they came in and they got sober, they would look around the room and they would be like, none of these dudes want what I have. Right. Because there are a lot of people who probably come into the program and they see what my dad's got and they're like, that's not what I want. You know, because they just want a fucking decent suit and a decent car and to look sharp and to be spiritual and to fucking help single groups at a time. Or they just want to get their kids back. Or they just want to feel comfortable when they're fucking watering the lawn. Or they just want to stop hiding alcohol in shampoo bottles and putting it in the fucking shower. You know what I mean? Like, and, and so it's like you, each one of us gets to be this shining example to somebody that the program works for somebody like them. So we've all got to be different, you know? I love that. I think that's a great, that's a great point to, uh, to leave on. And I really appreciate your time and your story. I think it was awesome to have you on our little show. Um, Dude, thank you so much, man. I'm sorry for like, by rambling? No, dude, don't be <laughs> sorry. You were gen you were being generous with your time. You don't have to you don't be sorry. You were generous <laughs> with your time. That was awesome. So thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you. So now we say stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. So you want to say that before we finish yeah. this thing? Yeah, fuck yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Sit stay strong, dopey nation, and toodles for Chris. And let me know when uh the new video comes out and we'll promote it. Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. It comes out on the 14th of this month. 14th of July. Awesome. Yeah, 14th of July. All right, yeah. Gilbert. I'll send it to you. Please do. Thank you I'll so much, I'll send you the movie, man. too. Yeah, send me the fucking movie. I couldn't find the movie. How do we see the it's movie? Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. We, we shot it, and we were, like, in post, and we were doing the whole deal, and then COVID hit, and then it was like, you want to put something out into a vacuum? Or what do you want to do? You know, and I was like, well, let's just fucking hang on to it. And, you know, like put it out when it feels right. Like I'm not, you know, there's this now, 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 now thing that I'm fighting <laughs> against in myself. So I was worried. I was, like, I was worried. Like I couldn't see the movie. Like the movie was, you know what I mean? Like, but that's no, good. It's just, I'll yeah. send it to you. Send me yeah. the movie. I cannot wait. Yeah. And, uh, and right. thank you, man. Right. Dude. Thank you so much.